broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. That's right, and that's the time of the week. Uh, based on that intro, we go out uh, to the guest line and welcome in our good friend, Dr. Robert Odell uh, from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Uh, he joins us each week to you know, enlighten us uh, about issues dealing with pain, um, the fact that he can help, uh, the fact that just because you get older doesn't mean you have to put up with pain. Um, I know that a lot of us, like to think that, or, or just are, are, are kind of um, accustomed to thinking or, or, or taught to grit your teeth and deal with it. You're getting older, you're going to deal with pain. That's just the way it is. So toughen up, but you don't have to. And Dr. Odell, uh, as he reminds us on a weekly basis, uh, there's things that he can do to give you relief and so that you don't have to, just because you're getting older, deal with pain. Uh, Dr. Odell, uh, welcome to the show. I uh, hope you're having a great week. How are you, my friend? I am doing great. Thank you very much, Vinny. You got it. You got it. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about you today because uh, we just finished the first week of phase three of OTAs in the NFL. And uh, this is it really gets ramped up uh, quite a bit from what they were doing the week before and the week before that. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a lot more football activity, a lot more stress being put on bodies, uh, a lot more of, of athletes asking their bodies to respond in a good way. And, and with that, obviously, there's going to be some bumps and bruises. And I got to thinking about, you know, the old days and, and, and how pain was managed in professional sports and in life in general. Uh, there was always that notion, hey, rub some sand, rub some dirt on it, you'll be okay. Uh, go out there. That's what my dad said or, all the time. What's that? That's what my dad said all the time. And your dad was a football coach, correct? He was a world uh, uh, elite athlete. He was America's outstanding football player in 1943 and coached for 40 years. Yeah. So, and that's what we were taught, and that's what we knew. Um, you know, on on how to sometimes deal with pain. We've evolved. Things improve. Uh, technology improves. Enlightenment improves, and we're, we're kind of getting to a point now. Uh, and thanks to to you know people like yourself and the profession uh, that that you're in, uh, we, we've gotten to a point where even the thought of just stick a needle in it and shoot it up and go back out there, that's starting to change, is it not? Yeah, it is. It's funny you mentioned the old days. My sister reminded me, my dad used to have a defensive award of the week. It was called Mr. Chuckles Axe Murder Award. I'm not <laughs> sure that would be politically correct now. <laughs> it probably wouldn't, um, but we get the con- you know, we, we get the concept. It just was a different time. Uh, but- <laughs> Back back then, uh, but that that that's 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 pretty darn People funny. People are stronger. They're stronger and quicker now. It's just evolved over 30, 40 years. And in football, the knees and the joints sometimes they really can't take that because there hasn't been much change in that evolution. You know, evolutionary. It's forty years, but the uh, but but the uh, the speed has gotten better. I mean, you know, the nutrition things. Doctor Moses talks all about and. Hopefully he can be with us uh, over the next few weeks. He's at the 8 o'clock time zone, so it's a little hard for him back east. But, you know, there there's so many things that go into conditioning and, 
and and getting better that it that it's uh, and, and it's so different than it was forty years ago, thirty years ago. Well, I'm going to ask you a question, um, and it, it just it just kind of dawned on me as you were talking about the good old days and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you remember the baseball pitcher Nolan Ryan, correct? Yeah. Okay. So in his day, there was no thought of a pitch count. Nowadays, you know, pitchers are basically trained to get to a, about 100 pitchers per get pitches per game, and then they get lifted out of, um, you know, safety measures for their arm to preserve their arm. And Nolan Ryan, when he was running uh, the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers, his whole thing was nobody forgot how to, like the arms aren't, aren't less strong than they were back then. It's just that we trained differently then. We trained our arms to be able to throw 150 pitches now, you know, when you're in the lower levels in the minor leagues so that you're building up your arm and building up your arm to, to withstand you know, th- that many pitches compared to now where if you're just going to train them to pitch 100 pitches, your arm's going to respond to that. And if you ask it to do more, it's not going to be trained to do that. Can you just talk about that a little bit about how maybe some of this is how we're training our body, um, whether it's right or wrong, but, and, and, and as a result, you know, like a pitcher's arm isn't as strong as it used to be because it's not being trained and taught to be that. You know, I, I don't really don't feel competent to answer that because you pr- bring up an interesting question. I thought perhaps maybe they're erring on the side of safety and, and, and you know, letting the starting pitchers can last longer. I had not really thought about the training. I really would like to defer that excellent question to Dr. Moses because it makes some sense. I mean, if you only expect something out of your, your muscles and your body and everything, then that's all you're going to get. Uh, and you may be absolutely right with the training. I, I just don't know because I haven't been involved in the baseball training camps. Yeah, and, and uh, I, like I said, it just kind of popped into my head. But when you look at an Nolan Ryan and pitchers of his era, it's not like their arms fell off. They, they survived. And they pitched a long time, and they pitched a whole, through a whole bunch of pitchers and pitched a whole lot more innings because their, their arms were just kind of pro, not programmed but conditioned uh, to, to, to do a little bit more than they are uh, now. But getting back to the concept of how we manage pain, how has that changed uh, over the years? And as, as we find this new technology uh, and get away from, you know, the, the, the shooting it up and the, the, the medicine and all that to more of, it, of what you guys do? Well, there's a big difference between the elite athletes and what I do in my clinic, of course. I mentioned before, and I saw a patient today, there's no neat reason to have a total knee replacement. There are several really good treatments that we can do. It, for the elite athletes, 20s and 30s, every, everything is you know, kind of different. And, again, those, those issues of conditioning and the fine-tuning that the trainers put them through, the electro-analgesia machines, all that stuff is, is really more the wheelhouse of a Dr. Moses. But, you know, chiropractic care and all that. Mm-hmm. What I sort of deal with are people that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s who think that they have, because they have pain, as I said before, because they're old, they're going to have pain, and that's, that's crazy. It, it really is not the case in many, many cases. So the, the techniques that we would use, of course, would be much different than that would be used for the, the elite athlete. I, I don't know how much, uh, in fact, I'd love to, if you can arrange it, I'd love to visit the Raiders training camp uh, soon uh and ask you know how often you guys and talk to the trainers 
how often you guys use xylocaine to block that? There might be some uh, there might be some uh, uh, resistance to that because it could it could actually block a very serious problem. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if it's just a little muscular thing, a trigger point, it would be fine. In my opinion, it really depends on what's going on with the athlete. But I really would have to talk to the trainers and see what they're doing on a daily basis, which is something I'd like to do. Yeah, and I think that um, based on my years doing this, you could you could see that it's evolved. I mean, they have now, you know, when I, for, I, I used to work for the Lakers in the 1980s, and there was one trainer on the team, and he did everything. One. And now there's a whole staff of trainers. There's probably a good six or seven people that run that department that are in charge of that department uh, and, and doing everything from soft tissue stuff, massages, uh, nutrition, all of that stuff that wasn't available or we didn't necessarily think about back in the day is being think of, uh, about now. And, and hopefully stuff like what you just talked about is coming becoming more of the norm rather than maybe being shied uh, away from. And by the way, uh, if you want to talk to Dr. Odell and his staff, uh, about anything that you're dealing with. And like he's, we continue to stress, just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to deal with pain. Please give, give them a call at 702-257-7246, whatever it is. Um, they'll be able to help you out. And if they can't help you out, they'll point you in the right direction of somebody uh, who can. Um, he's not trying to take your money or anything like that. He's literally trying to help you. And it's a very important distinction uh, to make because... In talking to Dr. Aldell, this absolutely comes across to me. Um, he wants you to feel better, and feeling better creates a better life. Uh, and we're living longer now than we ever have. And with that comes this notion of, okay, I'm getting older. I'm going to have to deal with the pain. You hey, don't have to. I so interject something. Yes, go ahead. Uh, we're living longer and loving longer. I had an 82-year-old patient today. He's on Cialis. I said, Go, go, go. Oh. <laughs> Good for you, dude. <laughs> I, I like it. I oh, like man. it. Uh, but, you know, I, yes. just, I have so much fun in the clinic. These people, patients are so much fun. They're so funny, especially the older people. They have so much to talk about. You know, we all put a big premium on looks and all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, I look at a young girl. I mean, I'm, I'm, I may be old, but I ain't dead. But you look at you, these, these older people have such great stories. The World War stories, but not even the, even that. Just life stories. It's if you have if any listeners have have grandparents or parents, you ought to listen tell some of their stories. You'll be mesmerized, in, in my opinion. I, I uh, I've just I just have so much fun in the clinic listening to them. It's it's and you probably tell I'm not a great listener, but the clinic it's different. It, it it's really really fascinating. It really is. Well, I mean, and and what's what's great about what you're doing is that you're giving them a release of that. They can live longer to tell those stories and enjoy telling those stories uh, e even more. And, uh, you know, we've stressed this before, Dr. Odell, but all of whether we're dealing with pain ourselves or we know somebody, our mom, our dad, our uncle, uh, an older brother, uh, a friend across the street, whatever the case might be, we all know somebody that is dealing with pain and um, seeing them try to grit their teeth and, and just kind of. Uh, uh, deal with it when we really know that they don't have to and that there's services uh, like the uh, Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas that is easily accessible um, and able to help, um, you know, makes that something that you want to just shout to everybody, like give them a call, 
call Dr. Odell at 702-257-7246. Hey, I got to ask you. uh, If they live on the other side of town, you know, I have some great colleagues over there I'll refer them to. I mean, there's, there's too many patients to go around as we all get older and joints are failing and this and that. I mean, a lot of pain management doctors in this town are kind of hang on to their patients. And I'm just not that way at all. Whatever's convenient, you know, because uh, there's, there, there's so much pathology that can be fixed. And I've had people come in to me, oh, I didn't know you could do that. It just right. blows me away how, how many people don't realize what's available, what's cost-effective, what doesn't cost them that much, and what is safe, you know. Well, let me ask you this. What is the What's the biggest hang-up that people have? Are they just afraid to go to the doctor? Are they afraid that it might cost too much? Are they afraid that nobody's going to listen, that, that whatever that they're dealing with isn't going to be able to get fixed? What's the, what, do you, what would you think uh, well, or guess? Above, and remember, these patients I don't see. So I think True. you make a great point, as Dr. Moses would say, all of the above. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, please. And, and more importantly, if you know somebody that's dealing with this, uh, uh, make sure that to give them the number or call on their behalf and try to set up an appointment, 702-257-7246. Uh, Dr. Odell, we talked about the Raiders getting ready for their season. Uh, there's a game seven with the Golden Knights, the, the local Knights. hockey team in the NHL. Uh, there's talk of maybe Major League Baseball uh, coming to Las Vegas. Who knows? The, the NBA might be around the corner. You've been around here for a while now. Did you ever envision that we would be talking about a game seven uh, for the Las Vegas-based hockey team? And that the Las Vegas Raiders would be, uh, you know, about a month away from starting their second training camp in Las Vegas. Well, I wish there wouldn't have been a Game Seven. I wish it would have wrapped. That's it up true early. too. Yes, I agree. But having said that, no. I mean, my my mindset was, well, there's gambling here. We can't do it. And fortunately, uh, cooler minds prevailed, and they made it happen because it's a perfect setting. And let me let me tell you why. Once the Raiders start playing, you are going to see. The other side, the opponents maybe have as many fans as us, and that's going to be fun. Who the heck does not want to go to Las Vegas for a weekend to see their team play the Raiders? Everybody. It's like having your cake and eating it, too. I mean, I hope that the opposition gets enough tickets. It's going to be like a uh, Super Bowl where, where there's equal. And I think that's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. It's going to be great. I, I wish I could have afforded the the seat uh, uh, thing for the uh, uh, for tickets, but I got I got a, a wealthy neighbor across the street. I'm going to hit up. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll get you. We'll try to figure out a way to get you uh, into a lead. You stadium. wait. You wait to the first real game with with you know the place full, and I bet you the crowd noise for the other side is going to be you know a good percentage of our crowd no- our our crowd noise, which I think is kind of cool. I really do. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You know, when you, nothing you like gotta, it in the world. Nothing like Tampa Bay's going to London. Sure, the, the the Londoners are going to be there, but you know, who are they going to be rooting for? And like, they don't know. I mean, it's it's you know, it's great if they go, but it's it's just not like being in the continental United States. Yeah, and you know, when you bring up the the, the point about the gambling, I had a, a former NFL executive come on. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and now he's working for a uh, a uh, online you know betting uh, company, and uh, believes it's the wave of the future. And he brought up a great point, Doctor Adele. He said, "Look, he goes, however long you want to say it was that that sports was created, whether it was a you think it was a thousand years ago or a million years ago, that sports was created, that some form of sports was created, 
He goes, I guarantee you 10 seconds later, the concept of betting was created because there was going to be somebody that was playing and somebody that was betting on it somehow, some way. So you make, it's you taken make a great point. Some people think that I was around during the dinosaur age, which is oh. not true, but uh, they probably, you know, they probably bet on the dinosaurs, you know? <laughs> yep. No, no question about it. And uh, it's, it's, it's high time with today's technology and, and assurances and security that sports probably does kind of um, embrace that a little bit more. And, and we're seeing that uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Before I let you go, when you look at everything that's going on in Las Vegas, and you've been here for a while, and I know that there's been golden ages of Las Vegas uh, in the past, are we kind of entering, especially with the pandemic ending and the, the hotels are getting booked up and the casinos are, are hustling and bustling, there's record-breaking numbers going on right now and projections going on right now. Uh, could we be starting to see a new kind of uh, Las Vegas golden age coming up? Yeah, when you sent me that email, I just said, "Wow, I can't wait for five o'clock." Uh, it, it's you just crystallized it in my mind. It's just awesome. Um, what I do need to lobby for, however, and this is kind of a personal thing, is for these sports uh, events to start earlier because I'm an old guy and I go to bed at eight. So we, you need to help me, Vinny, and, and talk to the uh, schedulers, okay? All right, I will make a call on your behalf. After, we'll, afternoon we'll, games. <laughs> afternoon games, exactly. We'll, we'll, we're going to make that happen. Uh, Dr. Odell, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Be safe, and we will talk to you next week. Okay, Vinny. That's Dr. Odell from the Las Vegas Neuropathy and Pain Center. Give him a call, like we said, 702-257-7246. When we get back on the other side, uh, Q's going to rejoin us, and we're going to talk about how many sacks, realistically, how many sacks this defense can get and how many sacks that defensive line can get. 21 sacks last year by the Raiders. It's almost embarrassing to say that, to be honest with you. It really is. Um, and 14.5 came from the defensive line itself. That needs to improve. I knew, I know all along the way last year, uh, the Raiders understood that at some point before 2021, it's time to fix that pass rush. And they made some moves. We're going to find out if they all work. But when Q and I get back, we're going to be talking about how many sacks we think that this team is capable of getting. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Q Myers, brought to you by Tequila and Bonner. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. All right, so we're going to count this up, Q Myers. All right, you ready? You got your uh, you got your notebook out, your calculator? I'm ready. I'm ready. Hey, you know it's funny, Vinny, before we jump into that, I yes. uh, while while you were talking to the doctor, I was doing a little bit of research and we were talking about uh Cleve Furl and you were talking about guys that you might have missed on that were just, you know, the ultimate ultimate guys that the Raiders could have selected and and really been the dude on the on that defensive line and look, there's some guys that have, you know, 13 sacks in their career, 16 and a half. Brian Burns has 16 and a half. He was a first rounder. I like Josh Brian Burns. I do too. And, and that was a guy that I know a lot of Raider Nation was uh, pretty high on as well. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Josh Allen, I mentioned him. He has 13 career sacks. So that's that's cool. Montez Sweat, you mentioned him. He's got 16. But what really blew my mind out of this whole situation is the Raiders have the number one sack artist in that 2019 draft. They have him on the roster. That's a, that's unbelievable to me, and I didn't think about it. But Max Crosby leads all those guys. <laughs> well, there you go. And he's uh, got you know, 17 career sacks. Nobody else in the 2019 draft class 
has more than 16 and a half, and that's Brian Burns at 16 and a half. Yeah, and 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 there you go. And 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 Max was playing uh, a little bit injured last year, as as it turns out. And um, I think that there's, you know, we talked about this uh, earlier this week about how in a new role, in a more in a more condensed role, um, and and out of no disrespect whatsoever to Max Crosby at all, but I think he played too many snaps last year, and I think Agreed. it showed. Um, yep. And so getting his snap count done uh, down along, you know, now that you're bringing in a, a Yannick Ngakwe, uh, you might get a more efficient Max Crosby right. as well. And you're right. Yep. Uh, that's a dude that has shown that he can get to the quarterback. And I think in the right kind of a role, he can really flourish, uh, especially in a role where he might not be playing as many snaps and is able to be stronger at the end of games. And as we talk about all the time, Q, stronger at the end of the season to get through right. uh, the season. Exactly. I mean, look, this is a guy I think in Max Crosby that could average 10 sacks a season. I really do. I think yeah. that, that could be what he could do. But like you said, with a limited uh, amount of snaps, because he doesn't need as many snaps to get to the quarterback. Once he has that snap count out really, really high, that's when he starts to slow down. So I think that it'd be great if the Raiders could find a way to reduce his snap count and still be able to get production out of him like they did his rookie year, which when he got 10 sacks, I, that would be awesome to be to be 100 percent honest with that. All right. So let's count it up. All right, and uh, um, so we'll we'll start over at Cleetharrell. You said five to seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll split the difference, and I'll just roll with six. Okay, uh, I'm he gonna go six, with seven. He has he has six and a half career sacks right now, so I'm gonna say he'll have a career year and he'll have six sacks total. Okay, uh, I can live with that. I say six to seven. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Max Crosby. Uh, I'm gonna go with ten. Okay, so now we're up to sixteen. All right. So, uh, Jonathan Hankins. Um, two and a half. All right. Uh, so now we're up to 18 and a half. Uh, Quentin Jefferson. Um, um, I don't think he gets any. I think he'll do what he does. He gets about three sacks per year. Okay. Um, so I'll go, I'll go, I'll go three. I'll, I'll go, I'll go two. I'll go two sacks for him. So that's 20. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, we talked about Max Crosby, uh, Solomon Thomas. Um, I'll, I'll give him. I'll give him three. I'll just give him three. I think he'll he'll have a bounce back year. All right, so we're we're right around twenty five now. Darius Phylon. Um, and I hate to uh, I hate to put too much on him. Uh, I'll just say I'll just say two and a half. Two and a half. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four with Darius okay. Phylon. So where are we at? Twenty nine. From the defensive uh, line? 16, uh, 21, 24, 26. And, uh, okay, we've got two more, and this is actually gets kind of interesting here. Malcolm Kuntz? Uh, five. All right, so now we're at 31. 31, yep. Carl Nassib? Uh, mm, uh, I'll just go four. All right. Can you see where we're headed with this? I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a lot better than what they've done. Uh, if if you know we're anywhere close to what these guys have, and we haven't even put Unique and Gakwe in there, there you go. That's who was the guy that I wanted to ask last. Right, exactly. So it's definitely a lot. Uh, I mean, it's 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 headed in the right direction in a major major way. Obviously, um, you know, given all these guys, if, as long as they're there on the squad and they're able to you know produce like we think, uh, a couple of them with two and a half and three sacks a season. Uh, but, you know, the major ones that we're looking at, we're looking at, uh, you know, six from Klee, talk about 10 from Max, uh, five from Kuntz, uh, you know, three or four from 
from um uh I just forgot his name. NASA. Anyway, yeah, NASA. Sorry. So no yeah, worries. something like that. I mean, those are those are kind of the the heavy hitters right there. And then of course, uh, like you said, uh, Unique and Gakwe closing things out. What do you think for Unique? Um, I think he's traditionally an eight to ten sack guy, so I'm not going to go against that. So I'm going to say nine. Let's split the difference. So, I mean, like we're not. Here's the thing, Q. This is what's very interesting to me because I've done this. I've looked at this defensive line and tried to put some numbers to names. In no way, at all. Maybe, maybe um, we're 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 giving. Uh, Clee a little bit of, a little bit of leeway here, but other than that, but other than that, everyone that we just mentioned, there's nothing like outlandish about anything we just said. No, 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 no. I mean, even if Clee gets zero, you're still at like thirty sacks. Right, and I think so, he's gonna get. I, mean, I think he's gonna get. You know, I think I think he'll get. You know, five to six or seven. Right, or seven, right. Uh, exactly. If he stays, if he stays healthy, um, so. And then all of a sudden you start talking about, okay, like I think Morrow had two or three sacks last year. Right. Um, you know, we'll see what, uh, if Corey Littleton gets unleashed a little bit, we talked about Jonathan Abram, perhaps, you know, uh, being, being utilized in that blitz package. So it's, it's not out of the realm when we start looking at this and that doesn't even ca- uh, account uh, Q for, just the pressures and the quarterback hits right. and the hurries and all of that, that will come along with it as well. Um, and that's they, the most important thing right there. That's what's really the most important is that these guys consistently are getting pressure to make the quarterback have to hurry and make a decision because that creates turnovers. And that's where I expect a guy like Corey Littleton to step up and even have a bigger impact is creating turnovers where he wasn't able to do that last year. And if you look at that part of it, the pressures and everything like that, they, they they weren't half bad doing that. They just couldn't get to the quarterback last year. They were right. they were they were fairly decent in creating some sort of a rush, uh, but closing the deal was proved to be really really difficult. Uh, I think when you can marry both of those, where like I'm not a I'm not a sack is the end all be all kind of a kind of a guy. I, I I agree with you. I think it's even more important to be able to consistently get pressure to make life difficult on the quarterback. However, the the, the one thing that 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 um, where sacks become really important to me anyway, and you look at a guy like Ngakwe, who's one of the best at this part of it, is turnovers come from sacks, not just interceptions. Interceptions come from the pressures. You right. can create pressure. If you can create pressure, that's going to help your secondary. Um, quarterback ratings are going to go down. Interceptions could go up. Uh, but those strip sacks and the fumbles, it, it just happens. There's a reason why quarterbacks, generally speaking, lead the league in fumbles because they're dropping back and passing, they're getting hit, they're dropping the ball. That's an, right. that's an area where I think the Raiders can start improving as well. And that, to me, that ties into the sacks. Well, and that's something that Khalil Mack was really, really good at. I mean, he kind of prided himself on not only getting to the quarterback, but strip sacking as well. That's a that's another level of it. And that's the cool thing I like about what defensive coordinators and even really good defensive players do now. They 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 also focus on trying to strip the ball and get a turnover. Uh, that was the one thing when the Raiders, the last time they went to the playoffs was 2016. The reason they did that wasn't because their defense was lights out. It was because they created a bunch of turnovers and had short fields for their offense. So... You know, if they could continue to do that, strip sacks, some interceptions, they need to find a way to do that. And that that comes from pressure and that comes from sacks, like you mentioned. So uh, the more sacks you have, the more opportunity you have to create turnovers. 
And if you can, to take that one final step, if you can also add in the fact that just being a good solid defense, you know, like being of proficient course, yeah. at what you do. You mentioned the 2016 um, Raiders defense. It was a little bit, it, things got a little bit skewed because there was a timely uh, aspect to the turnovers and that definitely helped. And it, and it honestly, um, it probably masked some, some yep. deeper issues that were on that team. Um, if you could be just more complete in getting turnovers, getting to the quarterback, creating sacks, but also providing tight coverage, tackling well, uh, getting off the field on third down, and that's another area that I want to talk about real quick because there, there was another area that was uh, deficient in, in for the Raiders last year. And I always equate that with, well, well, what does it take to be a team that can get off the field? Number one, some of the things that we just talked about, being able to get to the quarterback uh, and make life difficult for the quarterback and make them hurried. Uh, but it's also stopping the run. It's also um, – you know, uh, creating situations where it's not third and short or third and manageable. It's third and freaking long, you know, um, right, right. It, it's, it's doing those things. And, and for the Raiders, what's been frustrating for, for, for their fans. And I know the coaching staff is that whether it was third and short or third and long, for some reason, they just had an inability to get the other team uh, off the field. And there is right. sort of an art to that cube. I mean, there is, but, you know, it was really unacceptable. Their third and longs, their third and long uh, defense was terrible. It was just one of those situations where uh, they would they would play the sticks and then someone would drop, dump the ball off and somehow that guy would not be able to come up and make the tackle. You know, I mean, it was just like, uh, I don't know what play it was or what game it was, but I remember it was like third and 19 and 20 yards got picked up on a simple dump off. And it's like, wait, wait, hold on. The, the, the part of playing the sticks is for that exact reason. You let them dump it off short. Then you rally up and you make the tackle. You go and you you meet at the ball carrier, two or three uh, defenders, and you get them to the ground. And they just had a problem doing that. And a lot of missed tackles also goes into it. That's the that's one thing that st stood out to me in a major way. A lot of missed tackles went into allowing those third and longs to be converted. And so that's something that they've got to be able to shore up too. And I know that it's not back in the day where everyone's tackling and taking people to the ground each and every practice like it used to be like way back in the in the day, like I mentioned. I know the CBA is a lot different, so they don't really practice uh, the tackling technique as much as they probably would even like to. So that somehow they've got to be able to shore that up and clean that up. When, they, when not this past CBA, but the CBA prior to that where – they really went to work on, um, you know, how many practices you could have in full pads, right. uh, eliminating what you were just talking about, you know, the, the, the tackling in practice and getting guys to the ground in practice. Uh, there was an NFL executive uh, who said to me, mark this date right now, circle it, because football is going to start changing because of this. And here's the thing. It's a, it's a catch-22 cue. We all know why they're doing it, and it's for the right, right reasons. It's to protect it players that literally is to protect players because you know when we talked about concussions and things like that that stuff wasn't just happening in games right <laughs> it was right, happening right, in right. practices too mm -hmm. so how do you manage that line but what are you sacrificing as a result of doing that well, right. And, you know, your your partner, Lincoln Kennedy, I've talked to him before, and he, he also told me that the CBA is kind of why most teams don't run the power blocking scheme anymore. You know, most power, most teams do the, the zone blocking scheme for that exact reason as well, because you're not you're not able to practice the power blocking scheme zone blocking scheme. You're practicing 
you know, blocking to a certain area, blocking to a certain, you know, spot, not necessarily block knocking the next guy off the block. You know what I mean? So that's that's another again, they did it for the right reason. But what do you sacrifice? Yeah, uh, something's going to give. And I've seen everything on the practice field from mobile tackling dummies where where somebody has has it on a remote control. But it just there's there's. You know that 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 mobile tackling dummy isn't going to make a juke move. Isn't going to, you know, right. uh, put you off balance and stuff like that. You know, and give you a stiff arm, or, or give you a stiff arm. Yeah, and there's, there's, you know, but what are you going to do? So you have to, you have to kind of, you have to kind of deal with that. Um, but there's probably ways. I think, I think being able to get doing what they're doing now um, is going to help a little bit. I saw a lot of missed tackles, like you said, last year. It wasn't just the Raiders. It was across the board. That's right. why, you know, listen to JC Treader talk about how great the level of play was last year. I, I disagree. I thought, I thought the level of tackling was horrendous last year. Right. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And, you know, I, I talk about the Raiders missing tackles and, and giving up third and long. There was times that they benefited from that on the other side where they dumped the ball off and Jalen Richard went and picked up 18 or 20 yards and got a first down or put him in position. There's multiple times where a big third down pickup on a check down, put him in position to go for it on fourth down. They were able to pick it up. You know what I mean? So that, that happened a lot as well. So yeah, it wasn't just them. It wasn't exclusive to the Raiders. It was uh, across the, the course of the, uh, of the NFL. Do you think scoring is going to go down this year? No, no, I don't, really? I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna go down. And the reason I don't think it's gonna go down is because I think that the, I think that the league and I think officials are are still skewing everything towards the the way of the offense. I'm a defensive guy. I love defense. Uh, you know, play defense. So it's in my blood. And I just think that the league is always gonna kind of trend in the way of scoring points is cool, and that's what people want to see. So they're gonna try to, you know, make things a little bit more difficult on the defense as opposed to the offense. What about with fans being in the stands, though, making life difficult for uh, opposing offenses? I think that that's going to make home field advantage be a thing again, where it wasn't last year. You saw teams go into other places, or other other uh, team stadiums, and get Ws because they there was no home field advantage for ninety nine point nine percent of the league. So I think that that's going to change, but I don't think that you know I, I still think that the scoring is going to be pretty high. We're still going to see a bunch of you know twenty eight, twenty four. 30, 24 type games, you know, uh, ultimately the Raiders just need to make sure that they are not the team that's giving up 30 points a game like they were last year. Exactly. I think scoring might go down just a little bit. And uh, because when you look at the, you look at those numbers, I just don't see teams being able to waltz into New Orleans anymore or Seattle anymore or Kansas city uh, and just hang up 30 points because they're, they're out there in a, basically in a, in a, in a scrimmage situation right. without fans in there. I just wonder if that's be, and if, and if road teams aren't just hanging whatever they want on teams because they can do whatever they want, uh, however they want with the, with pristine communication, I wonder if that's going to just drive the overall number down uh, just, just a little bit, but I'm with you. <clears throat> Defenses are, you know, playing with one hand tied behind their back, um, you know, uh, lately. I also wonder this too, Q, you know, they started not calling tack or uh, uh, the holding call last year. Last year, the numbers for 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 holding went way down. And I think you know, I don't want to say that everyone got together the league and said, "Hey, look, you know, no off season, um, a, a really shortened training camp. This could get pretty ugly if we just call games the way we normally do. Let's give these guys a fighting chance to go out there and, and perform well." keep the entertainment level up, keep the offense flowing. But if they, if they revert back to how they've called holding in the past, that might change things a little bit too. 
That could. That that could. I didn't think about it from that point of view. But yeah, that absolutely could be a factor. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I kind of like it when they're not really as, you know, they don't throw the flag as much throughout the course of a game. Sometimes it just seems like the officials get way too involved in literally you could call a penalty on every single play if you really wanted to. And I don't think that that's uh, productive for anything. I don't think it's productive for people watching. I don't think it's productive for either team. You know, you can never get into a rhythm. So uh, I, I like it when they're a little bit more lenient. And even though some fans, especially when it uh, happens against your team, maybe a pass interference isn't called. I kind of like it when they let them play just a little bit. You know, there's nothing egregious, obviously, but a little hand checking here and there never hurt nobody. I completely agree. Before we uh, let you get out of here, I got to ask you, uh, what's the temperature uh, in Texas with the uh, the Clippers uh, heading to Dallas um, for, for uh, game game three? Uh, in that man, playoff I'll tell you right. I'll tell you right now, man, the Mavs fans are fired up. You know, they were so shocked that that Dallas went into L.A. and won two games. You know, I thought that they would split if if anything. And then all of a sudden they're up 2-0. Now they're talking about, man, could they possibly get up 3-0 and possibly sweep this team? Really, uh, I kind of feel like the the Clippers are on the on the rope, man. And I've talked about it before. I don't think that even though they share the building with the Lakers, I don't think that they have that winning DNA and that winning culture in their blood. I just don't. I don't like the way that they kind of ducked teams at the end or, or, or the way they played the end of the season so they could duck the Lakers. Uh, I think that that was, you know, not a way to to, 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 to it be. It told us to, everything we needed to know about Yeah, them. exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. It told you everything you need to know about that team. And so now, you know, you kind of reap what you sow. And I feel like that they're, they're the beneficiaries of their own their own evil doing. <laughs> it's so funny because if you go back to when they had Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin, I, I, you know, I tell people working in Los Angeles, you know, going like covering a Dodger game, let's say, and there's Chris Paul throwing the uh, first pitch out. He'd literally get booed. Blake Griffin right. would get booed. I, I love Blake. Uh, one of the funniest human beings I've ever covered. Just, I like Chris Paul a lot, uh, but I felt bad for them. Um, you know, because name me cute, any team in any city where you're getting booed and you're the star player, like, like if you put, right. if you, if you sent Blake Griffin anywhere else to throw out the first pitch, people would be all hyped up and excited. You know, back in the day, I'm talking about a few years right, ago, right, of course. when he was good. Um, but in your own city getting, you know, it never, that just doesn't happen, but that always happens to the Clippers. Can you imagine no, that's that's insane. I mean, that really is. And I haven't really thought about that from that point of view. But you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, it's just that's they're always going to be the Clippers are always going to be the Lakers little brother and they're always going to get booed. And it's just it is what it is. So that team, they're always the Clippers. That's just kind of how I look at it. they're always the Clippers regardless. Uh, you know, and then on top of that, they go and fire Doc Rivers and then they give the job to to um, to Tyron Lue. And I thought that that was kind of not a cool move. And now you see Doc Rivers is doing some big things in Philadelphia, and the Clippers are still the Clippers. So Imagine, be, imagine being Lou, who had the Lakers job, but right. he wanted a five-year deal, and the Lakers were only giving out a three-year deal. And he said, no. Nah. I mean, I remember thinking to myself, I I love Ty Lue, all right? I remember covering Ty Lue when he was right. with the Lakers. But he like, was a player, yeah. Yep. Bet on yourself right there. Bet on yourself that it's I'm gonna turn three years into ten years or whatever the case might be, and but you I, I just I never understood walking your walking away from the Lakers job knowing that you had LeBron and that right. Anthony Davis was probably coming soon after um, everything was going to be set up for you I actually think I think Frank Vogel is a heck of a coach to be honest with you so I think in the in the whole scheme of things the Lakers made out much better even though he was like their third choice at that point right. um, I think Frank Vogel is a heck of a coach. Uh, but 
you know, and I'm with you. I think Doc Rivers is one of the great coaches of all time. And to put that on him, the fact that they weren't, um, you know, reaching that next level, I don't think it was a Doc Rivers fault. Um, no. And I'm, I'm glad that he's doing what he's doing uh, in Houston. Hey, Q, thanks so much for spending some extended time with us uh, in the huddle. Always, always appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your weekend, Memorial Day. Be safe um, and enjoy the NBA action uh, tonight and this weekend. It's I love this time of year for the NBA. Love this time yeah. of year for the NFL. We're gearing up for uh, for training camp and all that uh, stuff that's going on. So appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week, man. Absolutely, my man. I appreciate you having me on. I got to go get my haircut. Got to go look there, good. <laughs> there you go, man. Go do your thing. We appreciate right. it. We'll talk to you next week. That's Q Myers, uh, our really good friend. Uh, always fun to have him drop by and spend some quality quality time with us uh, in the huddle. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. I'm telling you guys, um, I'd be really surprised if this defensive line uh, doesn't come up with 25 to 30 sacks. It's it's, And you're not asking anybody to do anything that they're not capable of doing. I think Clee Farrell is absolutely capable of getting five to seven sacks. Max Crosby's absolutely, and obviously this is all based on our guys playing, are they healthy? Max Crosby can definitely get back to 10 sacks. I think Quentin Jefferson can get his normal two, three sacks. Jonathan Hankins is going to get a couple of sacks. Yannick Ngagwe is going to get eight to 10 sacks. I think Carl Nassib can get four sacks. I think Malcolm Kuntz um, can get, if he plays, can get four to four sacks or so. Um, you start adding that up and all of a sudden you're well over, you're, you're, you're closing in on 30, if not more. The Raiders defensive line had 14.5 sacks last year. If you can double that up just from the defensive line, because I think it's safe to assume that Nicholas Morrow is going to get a few sacks. Jonathan Abram, be interesting to see how he gets used, uh, especially in that blitz game. Uh, if he can carve out a little bit of a Jamal, uh, Adam's role for himself, uh, you know, that takes, it's not just having the speed and the toughness. Uh, you have to figure out a way to get home. And Jamal Adams is able to do that from that safety position. Uh, can Jonathan Abram, I think he's got it in him. You know, I mean, how many sacks, you know, three sacks for, for, for Jonathan, you get maybe six or seven sacks from outside of your defensive line. Remember, uh, the Raiders had 14.5 sacks, 21 overall. So they got seven elsewhere outside of that defensive line. Uh, if they could get seven to 10 from players outside of the defensive line, including uh, what this defensive line itself is capable of doing, and we're not sitting here talking about guys turning in extraordinary performances, just do what you've normally done. Darius Phylon, if he's out there, if he's playing, He's a guy that's gotten been able to get to the quarterback uh, in, in in his career, you know. And and what I think really works in the Raiders' favor here is that you start naming all, Solomon Thomas, you know, you start naming all these guys, and you can use that to your advantage by keeping guys fresh, by keeping guys healthy, by throwing waves at the offensive line, bunch of different skill sets. 
so that everybody is producing at a higher level in the snaps that they're playing rather than, rather than playing what ultimately becomes empty empty snaps because you're tired or you're fatigued and you're not able to do what you're capable of doing because you're too tired to do it. So we'll see. It's not out of the realm that the Raiders can get 25 to 30 sacks from this defensive line. It's just not. I want to say thanks to everybody that joined us uh, this week. By the way, we're not on on Monday, Memorial Day. We want to wish everybody a great and safe weekend. We'll reconvene uh, on Tuesday of next week, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, and don't forget um, to uh, check out, if you get a chance, uh, it's the first uh, Tuesday of the month and uh, over at uh, um, South Point Casino in Bajador Casino has been together. Chefs for Kids Poker Tournament. It's back. It starts at 6.30. Um, support uh, our local Chefs uh, for Kids product uh, or, 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 or um, you know, event that, that, that they're, they're doing. It's at the uh, South Point Casino. We'll give you more information on Tuesday so you can be ready for it Tuesday night. You're in the huddle of any boss and you're brought to you by Tequila in Bajador. I want to say a special thanks also uh, to Q, Q Myers for joining us uh, on an extended basis today. Uh, and of course, Devon Cotton for doing everything that he does as our great producer. We will check you out on Tuesday. Enjoy the great weekend. Bye-bye.